The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. The editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, Pete Sweeney, joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. And John, it's our first podcast in a while and probably our last podcast in a while. Yeah, well, that's all right. We can use the break. (laughs) That's right. I was on vacation and now John will take a one-week vacation. And then what's wild about it is, yes, we'll, we'll go a week without a show, But when we come back, it is for what will be the long haul. And it's been a very odd, very unique offseason. But here we are. We're going to be approaching what we expect. Maybe. Who knows? We'll have to follow the news to be the beginning of 2020 training camp. Right. It's going to be an exciting time as long as everything remains on schedule. That's the main question we have right now. And what is wildest to me about it is I don't even know if the NFL knows at this point. And they had all the time in the world to prepare for what was going to be plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D. And everything you're sort of hearing as things are starting to emerge in the news and some of the rumblings that I've heard, I don't know if the league even at this point, which is, one week before the Chiefs and Texans are supposed to report, here we are on Thursday, July 16th. I don't even know if protocols are in place or if the players union is agreeing to any of what are the protocols. They don't know, and we're a month out, maybe less than that. They don't know how many preseason games they want to play. So it is one of these things where while you're excited about the Chiefs season. This is the first time, what, in 50 years that you're going to be defending a championship. What is taking the wind a little bit out of the sails is just this unknown factor. And still to this point, you would think a week out, we would know a lot more than we do. Yeah, the deadline is actually even a little closer because the rookies are scheduled to report on Saturday, if we believe what Andy Reid told us the last time he spoke to us. And they're supposed to get uh, COVID-19 tests 48 hours before reporting. So that would be today. And as you note, there's a lot of uncertainty about this. The NFL published some protocols on July 3rd. That's almost two weeks ago that we assumed at that time would be how these things were going to be conducted in training camp in the preseason. 
But since then, the NFLPA, the players' union, has argued against some of those protocols. The, the league decided they could issue them on their own, and the NFLPA said, no, we don't think so. These change working conditions. So negotiations are ongoing and even include, at this point, financial considerations, like whether or not the league will put salaries in escrow, which the NFLPA doesn't want. And the NFLPA came up with a counterproposal that suggested that next year's salary cap would be the same level as it is this year, which I know a a lot of fans would like that certainty on the salary cap, but I'm not sure the NFL wants to do that. I'm not sure the NFL wants to borrow cap money from future years in order to make the 2021 cap more or less a normal level. And the last we heard was from ESPN's Adam Schefter that the Chiefs and Texans were reporting this Saturday, but also in the same note, he said that in 48 hours in advance, they would need to be tested for COVID. Everything that I've heard said that COVID test results don't come back for a week. So I just wonder how this is going to be accomplished. I imagine it'd be incredibly expensive and you'd need to have some sort of fast track in order to get these COVID results faster. I just wonder how it's all going to work out. I, I, I'm very cautious here because I don't know the details behind the scenes. And so I'm just going off a of feeling here. Sure. If I yeah. was a betting man, I would bet you're looking at least at a four-week delay to the regular season that was built into the schedule. And I, I came to that this morning before we got on. And I just feel like there's just way too much unknown. There isn't these agreements, as we said, between the owners and the players association. And I think that teams are going to get into camp this next week for the Chiefs and Texans, the week or days after for the other teams. And I think they're finally going to realize we have a legitimate, overwhelming problem on our hands with cases and quarantining players and who gets to come to camp, how you're working it out. Can you ramp up everybody if someone has to mispractice all of a sudden on day four for two weeks? How do you start to ramp that up? I just have a feeling that that built-in buffer that the NFL did with the schedule will be something they enact. Again, the, the problem right now, even for the highest of highest decision makers, it's all speculative. You have mm. to wait on health officials. You have to see how this goes. And we will await and report everything as we get it on arrowheadpride.com. So that's the bad news. We do have good news this week, of course, and that is that Chris Jones, as we have said, is coming back to the Kansas City Chiefs. John, you and I did the emergency podcast, which we're working on a siren for right now as we speak <laughs> earlier. Th- yes, yeah. earlier this week. Uh, so now that we are a couple days in, I know you did three things that we learned from this. Now that we're a, a couple days in, What is your feel of this new deal for Chris Jones and what the Chiefs were able to do in bringing him back for the next four seasons? Well, it's great news if you love Chris Jones and what he brings to the Chiefs. I think we would all agree on that, that we would all like to have the contributions that Jones can bring to the defense for as long as we can have him. You know, it doesn't really change much for the 2020 season. His cap hit is $130,000 more in the coming season if the reports are to be believed. We don't really have solid numbers on his contract yet. We've had some reports, but there's still some details we don't know. But the cap hit for this season is pretty much the same. And the first two years of the contract are guaranteed. The third one, we still don't know exactly when it's guaranteed. There's some 
reporting that indicates it might be guaranteed uh, a year from now at the beginning of the, the league year in 2021. And then you're looking at a contract that'll be hard for the Chiefs to get out of if they need to in the 2022 season. However, they're free and clear for 2023. They would be in a position that they could let Chris go if that was the way they needed to do it. So there's some risk involved in this contract. It does increase the cap hit that Chris will have in 2021. I get confused with all these numbers in my head. And at this point, it's going to be a substantial cap number for the team, especially if the cap ends up being lower next year. So there's some risk involved with this, but we got Chris Jones, which I think almost every Chiefs fan really wanted to see happen. Yeah, and I think even stemming from some of those COVID concerns that we had at the beginning, this seemed like it was always the plan for the Chiefs. That's what Brett Veach has said, regardless of the disease. But even regardless of that fact, the idea that they're bringing back all of their key pieces, including now Chris Jones in a year where you don't know how much preparation you're really going to be able to have. The fact that these guys know the systems and could seemingly run the same exact schemes and plays as last year to me is a tremendous, tremendous advantage going into the year. And you already know that these guys are of a championship caliber level. Chris Jones was a huge part of that. I mean, I think the Chiefs are a year, two, three, maybe another drafted player away from replacing what Chris Jones can do, especially from a pass rush standpoint. So you like the move. I didn't expect it. I've said that on this podcast channel. I've said it online and on the radio. But you know what? Sometimes these things go that way where it's hard to really read any tea leaves because there aren't really any tea leaves. The tea leaves are saying something in the other direction. And I think this Chris Jones thing ended up being a pleasant surprise, both for reporters and, and fans of the team. John, right now, it's time for, of course, the Patrick Mahomes section of the podcast. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, he's made the GQ cover of the magazine. It was wearing some kind of teal jumpsuit. Really reminded me of like 80s style. He's got some retro to him. GQ had a nice article on Patrick Mahomes. If you haven't had a chance to read it, you should. I thought this was the most telling nugget. It gave a glimpse into his daily routine and I'll read it. He's up at 7 a.m., often with no alarm. He flips on TV, usually ESPN, where occasionally he'll find that he's the topic of discussion. He drinks his coffee, then drinks a pre-workout supplement concoction in that order. At 9 a.m., a workout, an hour for arms, an hour and a half for legs. Then he eats lunch, after which some days he has a virtual meeting with teammates and coaches or he plays video games. Only in this narrow noon to 2 p.m. window, though. He doesn't want to get lost in playing video games all day. During the season, he swears them off. So there you go. That's a little bit of a glimpse into this super MVP, bionic man that we call Patrick Mahomes. Nice to know that we start our day the same by drinking coffee around 7 a.m. Well, what about that concoction, the supplement concoction? I'd like to know more about that. Right. I pass (laughs) on the supplement concoction afterwards, but uh, good for Mahomes. And I I like to see these type of endorsements. And sometimes in in scenarios, I've noted in the past that teammates can can get a little jealous, but Mahomes seems to do it the right way. He only leaves it for the offseason and he sort of picks his spots. I know that that has been a point of emphasis for Andy Reid and grooming Mahomes to say that, look, you're the quarterback. You're this level of talent. You got to remember that 
these guys got to play for you, which is why any chance he gets, he discusses his teammates and so on and so forth. And that allows him to do this type of thing without having to worry of maybe the backlash or the fellow chiefs getting jealous and saying, you know, we're, we're Super Bowl champions too. Uh, but some interesting style choices. I, I saw he had a, some sandals with socks, which is a big, big victory. As That's right up my alley right yes, there. Yes, that is for guys who love to take the garbage out like myself in sandals and socks. Uh, <laughs> I, I enjoyed seeing this side of Mahomes in the GQ magazine. I thought his discipline, just in that one quote you read, was, was fascinating. You know, he limits himself to video games for two hours a day unless there's a team meeting, and swears off of video games during the season. Now, I don't know too many young men who like to play video games that could conduct themselves with that kind of discipline. But then again, I don't know too many young men who just signed a half-billion-dollar contract to play football. So maybe that's, maybe that's the difference. Right. He seems to have that tick and that bug of the greats. Like when you hear them talk, they just say that they have this innate, desire to be one of the best ever. I think Tom Brady has that where he's just so focused in on his craft. It's exactly the type of guy that, that Andy Reid wanted. I, I've joked a lot before that, look, Reid, if he was creating a player, it's probably Patrick Mahomes, both from a skill level standpoint, a build standpoint, and really a mental standpoint. And so kudos to Mahomes for tapping into that, realizing the situation that he has and, and making the most of it. It's led him to the 99 club on Madden, also released this week. Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Donald, Christian McCaffrey, and Stefan Gilmore will be rated 99 in the upcoming Madden 21 there were five quarterbacks who will be rated 90 or above. It's Mahomes at 99, Russell Wilson at 97, Lamar Jackson, 94, Drew Brees, 93, and Tom Brady, 90. John, I don't know if you played Madden. I think we've talked before on the podcast and, and you're not a huge video game guy, but he was one of the most successful players and best players to use in Madden 20. Now that he's rated 99 in Madden 21, he may give the early 2000s Michael Vick a run for his money as really the most cheat code type of player that this game has ever seen. Yeah, I, you're talking about a language I don't understand. I'm sorry. Somebody gave, you know, a long time ago, I think maybe around 2000, somebody gave me a Madden game for Christmas. Somewhere in my house, I still have it still in the cellophane because I just, uh, I've just never been a guy that likes to play video games. After I stopped playing Super Nintendo with my son when he was little, we played it together for a while. But I haven't played any video games since Super Mario Kart. <laughs> <laughs> for a long time, it's it's just fun because I know a lot of NFL fans like Madden. For a long time, you had to deal with whatever quarterback the Chiefs were running out there. And now you have the best player in the game. So it's not one of those yeah. things where your friends can tell you, hey, you can't be the Chiefs. No, you suffered now for two decades or whatever, <laughs> however old you are, and you deserve to play with a 99-rated quarterback. There's another side of this, of course. Bashad Breland tweeted out this morning, I'm convinced whoever made Madden don't actually watch football. They give ratings off of names and popularity. They win every time. Show us some lower-class folks some love every now and then. And LOL. So there you go. Bashad Breland, not too happy 
with the Madden ratings. I, I don't even really know what his rating is, but I'd imagine it is not 99 like Patrick Mahomes. We mentioned Lamar Jackson. Jackson is a 94 rated player in this game. Lamar was asked about Mahomes' 10-year contract extension this week, $503 million. And Jackson said, I've got to win me a Super Bowl. I've got to get where he's at. And then he said that it was a crazy number, but he he also said that Mahomes deserves it. Of course he deserves it. And if you're Lamar Jackson, you have to probably see that contract and say, well, if I can put together a season like Mahomes just did, which which isn't easy, it's easier said than done, but if you can go and actually lead your team to a Super Bowl victory, you could turn to your agent and say, I want something similar to that next year. Yeah, but it'd be hard to get another team to offer that contract, even if you just had that one season. I don't think anybody thinks Lamar Jackson ought to have a 12-year NFL contract. His style of play is not conducive to that kind of a contract. One lower leg injury, and he could be done. You're also dealing with the Baltimore Ravens, too, who have made the Joe Flacco mistake and <laughs> around the corner memory there yeah <laughs> the Washington football team if you talk about the style of play I mean you remember Robert Griffin the third that first season was incredible and sure. then he had all these injuries and really has never been able to recover from that and I don't want to disrespect Lamar Jackson and say you know he is like RG3 but at the same time I understand what you're saying it seems that Mahomes would be a little bit more durable based upon the fact that he's way more dual threat, if not more so a throwing quarterback than a guy that picks up yardage on the ground. But let's not kid around about Lamar Jackson's ability to throw the football. He took really big strides last year. I'm, I'm wondering how he builds upon that this season as he now, I think, continues to chase Mahomes. Like, like that's, let's not forget, too, during the season, we there was some debate as to Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes. Now it's become, well, Mahomes is ahead and Jackson is chasing him. Who knows if Jackson can try to start to, to flip that again. That's how, that's how this game goes. We'll see. I, I think John Harbaugh and Andy Reid Disciple is a big part of that. So excited to see what Baltimore does to me. Still in the NFL, Baltimore and New Orleans, probably the two teams that I say are the biggest threats to the Chiefs repeating. Uh, as Super Bowl champions. Well, I agree with you that uh, Jackson's passing game did improve in 2019, but he's got to take it another step further before and make that a big part of the threat he poses to opposing defenses. The reason that Jackson has been such a good quarterback in the NFL is that he can run it inside. He's not just a threat to scramble. He's a threat as a runner. Essentially, every play, you've got two guys in the backfield who could be running threats. And that's not a a play design that we're going to see for Patrick Mahomes. We're not going to see Patrick Mahomes running inside on second and eight. You know, if Jackson can actually get his passing game to the point where they can depend on it and not have so many designed runs for him, he could give Mahomes a run for his money. But that hasn't happened yet. Agree there. And again, I still think it's Mahomes and then Jackson. And right sure. now yeah. it, it isn't even close. It, it's one yeah. of those situations yeah. where it's Mahomes and everybody else. Kansas City, you remember the New York Mets, right? From the World Series? Well, Travis Kelsey is part of a group that would want to try to buy the New York Mets, become an owner of the Mets. And so I thought this was a really interesting story this week. It, it is odd when you have guys that 
are from Cleveland and now he, he sort of belongs to Kansas City and is thinking about having a team in New York. I mean, if he owns the Mets, he's going to be rooting for the Mets. So it's just, it's a, it's a weird circumstance. But interesting that Kelsey is among several former NFL players, including Brian Erlacher and Joe Thomas, uh, DeMarco Murray, players who may be with A-Rod in this idea of purchasing the New York Mets of Major League Baseball. Yeah, A-Rod and Jennifer Lopez are the uh, two majority principals in this group. Apparently, they've each put up like $300 million of the $1.7 billion that their offer uh, consists of. So they're going to be the big dogs in this thing. Travis Kelsey's put up some money, but he hasn't put up any money quite on that level. So he'll be an owner. He'll have an opportunity to get in the owner's box uh, right. once in a while, but he may not have the executive washroom key. I think it is one of those things like Eric Stone Street, who's now a minority owner of the Kansas City Royals. It'll be similar for that with Travis Kelsey. And here's a J-Lo joke. Love don't cost a thing, but the New York Mets do. And so we'll see. <laughs> what type, awful joke. We'll see what type of money uh, Travis Kelsey puts up. Kelsey, by the way, will be on a television show coming up soon if you want to watch that celebrity show off. It's a TBS show. I'll read the description. The ultimate celebrity showdown. Each week, five stars from the world of sports, music, comedy, television, and film face off to see who can produce the most compelling content from the comfort of their own homes. The longer a celebrity stays in the competition, the more money they raise for their charity. So Kelsey will be part of that Tuesday, July 21st on TBS at 9 p.m. So Kelsey's in this competition. We're starting to see quarantine television shows. So uh, good on Kelsey. I, I imagine he's probably raising money for 87 and running, and they are big supporters of local Operation Breakthrough, which helps some children. So good on Kelsey to, to jump in on that. And the goodwill continues with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Tyron Matthew will cover the funeral costs for shooting victim Devante Bryant. John, you wrote this up for us this morning on arrowheadpride.com. It was a nine-year-old who passed away from a shooting in New Orleans. And I'll just read a quick quote. I wanted to help the Bryan family because I am from the seventh ward and I felt that pain. I have a seven-year-old son that lives in New Orleans and I couldn't imagine something happening to him at that age. He's only two years younger than Devante. Comes, what, a few weeks after Frank Clark paid for the funeral of a four-year-old in Kansas City. So Chiefs just as good off the field as they are on the field. Yeah, that's a terrible story out of New Orleans. Uh, two other children wounded in a triple shooting in the seventh ward. I don't know. I don't know what to do about these things. And I'm glad that the Chiefs are stepping up in these instances, but it's ultimately not the answer. We need to figure out how to right. keep these things from happening uh, I, in our cities. I think that's why, and speaking of Matthew, you know, with any kind of change, right? It's always, well, what can we do? It starts with voting. And so kudos to Matthew and kudos to Mahomes as they're on this together, as they're trying to promote voter registration and help make that process a bit easier. And then at least people have the opportunity to educate themselves and to figure out, okay, who would be best to put in positions of power to maybe start to turn the page on some of these things. And again, awful news, but again, good on, on Matthew and, and Clark for, for doing the right thing here. They have the money and they're, they're putting it to 
good use for some families in, in need. Coming up after the break, we will get to General Manager Brett Veach. He's the hottest name in Kansas City right now after turning $177 into millions and millions of dollars <laughs> of this offseason. He joined the Monday Morning Quarterback podcast this week. I have three of his main quotes from the podcast. It was 90 minutes, but I have three of his main quotes. We'll discuss those next on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Pete Sweeney and John Dixon of ArrowheadPride.com. I want to talk about Chiefs General Manager Brett Veach, who is coming off of the 12-year total contract for Patrick Mahomes, the four-year contract for Chris Jones. We didn't think that both could happen. Both happened in Kansas City. And on his podcast this week, Sports Illustrated, Albert Breer, he had Veach on for like 90 minutes of time. I listened to this full podcast. I made diligent notes. It is tremendous. So after you're done listening to this, I would switch over to Monday Morning Quarterback and listen for yourself. It's great, but I was able to pull what I thought were the three nuggets from it that stood out the most. We all know that Brett Feach started as a coaching intern in Philadelphia with Andy Reid, but did you know it was Andy Reid who told Brett Veach, look, get away from coaching. You may be more interested in this player personnel thing. Yeah. I mean, and coach says it all the time. He said, he said we're nothing more than teachers. That's all we are. We're, we're teachers. And, and, you know, a good teacher always understands that he can learn something from everybody, but it's not fake. It, it's not um, something that it just sounds good or, oh, you know, what do you think about this? Okay, great. And then as soon as a kid leaves, it's like, okay, whatever. No, like he really values people's opinions. And again, I think that that helped me a lot because when I first started working for him, I was certainly intimidated and I didn't want to, I was worried that my opinion was going to be so um, in contrast to his, that he would just, you know, dismiss me in regards to, well, listen, I'm not going to ask that again because, you know, this kid clearly doesn't know what I'm talking about. No, it was like, I want to, I want to see what you, what you know, I want to see what you're passionate about. And he was the one that, that, you know, as I was doing stuff for him in the fall with the coaching stuff and then doing stuff for him at the spring, he actually grabbed me in one day. He said, you know, I've observed you, Brett. And he said, you know, when I ask you to do stuff in regards to breaking down coverages and scheme evaluations, you do a great job. Um, but you're not, you know, you ask questions, but when I ask you to pull up some tape and what you think you're asking me tons of questions and you're, you're, you're building upon those questions. He was like, you know, just by observing you, he's like, I think you really like this personnel stuff more. And he was like, so I know most of my guys kind of graduate eventually to quality control, which, but, you know, I think, I think you should think about personnel. Have you ever thought about it? And that was the first time I've ever thought about personnel. I was like, no, but you're right. Shoot. When we do get to the spring, I am, you know, a little bit more enthusiastic about player personnel. I am following up questions upon questions. Uh, and it, it just intrigued me more. And I, he actually is the one that kind of recommended, you know, we can do an unconventional route here instead of you graduating no quality control coach. Maybe we just take you to this personnel side. So that was the first time I thought about ever working. Personnel. So there you go. A, a story about Andy Reid, And I think this just speaks to that idea that he is such a people person and it's this story that is an example of why he's so beloved on the inner part of the National Football League. Yeah, two things strike me about this quote. Uh, one of them is Andy Reid's consistency. You know, we're talking like 12 years ago. Yeah. And he was talking then like he talks now. We're teachers. 
teaching is what we do. Reed's consistency as a coach is frankly remarkable, and that he's continued to be successful by applying these same paradigms to what he does over such a long period of time is also remarkable. I also had this image of Andy Reid coming to this young man who's basically in a starting level job at the NFL and says, I've been observing you. How, how intimidating would that be in that moment? Well, and, and to this point, I mean, Brett Veach had done a lot of training camp work. Like how often could he be getting observed? I mean, and this is while he's still evaluating a 90 man roster. And, and so I just think even what this is now two decades ago, just the amount of detail that Andy Reid pays attention, not only to his team, but to the overall organization to know back then that maybe one of his interns shouldn't go into coaching. He should go into player personnel and that's where his future is. The amount of care that you have to show, like a lot of these coaches, and I don't want to speak for all of them, but I'd imagine a lot of these coaches probably don't know who their intern really is, you know, and, and mm. probably say, okay, who's the next batch? What are we getting next year? Mm. So Andy Reed sort of put some emotional investment in this kid and, and it has paid off uh, as he is one of the really hot executives right now in the NFL. We had mentioned on our emergency that people are already calling him the executive of the year before the Chiefs do anything and it's deserved. And normally I, I'm, I'd be the last to say that. Another good quote and nugget from this podcast was Brett Veach on both Chris Ballard and John Dorsey. John Dorsey, the former GM of the Chiefs, then former GM of the Browns. Chris Ballard is now the general manager of the Colts. He worked with Brett Veach above him uh, when Brett Veach came to Kansas City with Andy Reid in 2013. It's funny because I, I think that I'm kind of a, maybe a, a little bit of a hybrid of both of those where John is old school. I mean, he is tape tape, 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 watching all the tape, just close the door in the draft room. Uh, you know, prior to coming to, to Kansas City working with the Eagles, we had scouting in the fall, and we had basically um, – we had three meetings were more of an overview and intellectual debate over guys. When I got to Kansas City, it was my introduction to the 17 days – with your scouts prior to the combine. So now all of a sudden I come from Philly where it's tape work in the, in the fall overview meetings, uh, character meetings, and just broad thinking in regards to your spring meetings. I come to Kansas city and scouting in the fall. And then all of a sudden the season ends and every single scout college and pro is locked in a room and you start watching tape at 5am and you're watching tape until you know, six, seven o'clock at night for 17 straight days. It's like training camp for scouts. And, and, but John was wired in the old school, like we're just going to exhaust the tape. We're going to exhaust the tape on every level. And we're going to stick to some, some certain principles in regards to, you know, we're not watching five, nine corners or five, eight corners. No, this is a big man's game. Uh, this size wins, size matters tape. Uh, and we're going to exhaust the tape and just, you know, make our decisions based primarily on tape. Chris was wired the same way in regards to the tape. Chris had a little bit more of an analytics mind to him where Chris wanted to bring some more numbers in um, and talk about how analytics could play a role in this and 
you know, discussed, you know, A scores or athletic scores. And uh, Chris was involved in a little bit more of a new age of football where, you know, listen, we're going to watch tape, but, you know, let's let's go back and let's review some of these guys that maybe their tape wasn't great, but these scores suggest they're going to be really good. So uh, both guys were extremely hard workers and um, both guys, you know, I learned a ton from, but, uh, you know, John was, was a firm believer in, you know, I, if I don't see it on tape, I, you know, I'm really not going to, going to be there. Chris was a little bit open-minded to, um, to bring in guys from an analytic standpoint. Um, but it was, it was cool because, you know, both guys, you, you know, just had a love and passion for the game that I certainly had. And I got to see how they worked. And, and again, John, um, the amount of meeting time and the amount of time spending in the room watching tape was something that, I, I was just a, a natural connection with because that's what I love to do. Well, we as writers, reporters, and fans have made this into such a um, Dorsey versus Veach thing. Mm-hmm. And that quote kind of makes me think it doesn't have to be that, right? Like, does it have to be that? There were problems, I think, from what you hear was cap stuff and mismanagement and maybe communication issues with Dorsey. But the amount of reverence that Brett Veach speaks to with John, I, I think just shows that, I mean, he was a big part in developing his eye and, and how he goes about his business. And I just think that like when you hear Brett and saying, uh, you know, when John had us in the room, that really opened my eyes and I loved it. I loved that idea mm-hmm. of, he probably has taken that and, and uses that process too, to, to have guys, in this draft room before the scouting combine and the NFL draft defend their players and, and really get that discussion going. And he got that from John Dorsey. And, you know, that being said, he also got stuff from Chris Ballard, who is a fantastic GM as well in Indianapolis. I think the Colts are a dark horse team that nobody's really talking about this year. And I'm interested in seeing how they do with the way Ballard is building that team. But again, I don't think it necessarily has to be Dorsey versus Brett. I I have been on that train before. I don't want to lie and say that I haven't, but at the same time, like, why does it have to be who gets credit for Mahomes? Is it Veach or Dorsey? Well, Veach found the kid, which we're about to talk about, and Dorsey orchestrated a trade based upon relationships similar to Reed that he made in the league. He was able to listen and talk to enough people to know that the Chiefs didn't have to trade up to two to take Patrick Mahomes. They could stay at 10 and maybe still pick up some guys in that draft that were key to that season. So that's what I, I took away. And, and speaking of Ballard and Dorsey, just two of tremendous mentors to really walk into this 2013 chiefs thing with Reed and Veach and Mahomes and how you had Ballard and Dorsey and this super staff of all of these guys I just think is really lucky. And, and so when talent meets that luck, this is what you end up getting. Tape nerd, tape nerd, tape right. nerd. That's what I kept thinking while I was yeah. hearing him talk about it because that was the thing that Dorsey and Ballard had in common was their reliance on tape, which is not a bad thing by any means. You can tell the most, I think, about a player by and what they can do on the field by watching them on the field. I thought it was interesting that Veach says that Dorsey was kind of firm on staying away from smaller players. Sometimes smaller players can be very successful, but you know, every GM has their own approach to these things and their own opinions that they've held for a long time. You know, we still see GMs who are 
not paying attention to the fact that running backs aren't a huge part of the NFL game and they still pay these running backs a lot of money and uh, emphasize drafting them early and all those kinds of things. Even though the analytics people say, well, no, they really aren't that efficient in the game. They don't help you that much on offense. And that's what Ballard was bringing to it. So like anybody who has multiple mentors, I certainly am in this category. I've learned from lots of people in my lifetime that had different ways of doing things. You end up with a blend of techniques and and mindsets about things. And in Veach's case, he seems to have picked up the best of all of them just based on his success in Kansas City. Yeah, and just quickly to build off that height point before we get to the last quote, you think about Dorsey running the show. If he really felt that strongly, for example, about the height of defensive backs, there's no way the 5'9 Tyron Matthew is getting signed to a lucrative contract in Kansas City, right? I mean, yeah. There's a there's a chance. I mean, I don't know how Dorsey specifically feels about this player, but if that is just a parameter that is a deal breaker, then Matthew doesn't come. We know that Matthew, Clark, Watkins, they were all beach guys. And furthermore, as you go step by step on this, if Matthew isn't here, maybe Mahomes is able to pull out some magic and lead his team. But if Matthew's not here, hard to believe the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. I, I, I really feel that way just because of not only what he brings to the table, but how he's risen the level of some of these, I think, mm-hmm. what would be otherwise marginal players to at least average or above average. Uh, so uh, kudos to Brett Veach for taking the stance that he does. Yeah, and I think it also uh, speaks to what we're about to hear about from Veach, which is that not everything can be seen on tape. There's intangibles that you can only get by talking to these players and getting to know them, to know their character, which as you, as you mentioned, uh, is a big part of why Matthew was such an important part of the Chiefs defense in 2019. I mean, the turnaround in the defense's level of play between those two seasons was amazing. And Matthew being on the team as a leader had as much to do with that as any single factor, in my view. Final quote from Brett Veach here, and this is the money moment that everyone always refers to, how he found Patrick Mahomes. To me, this is the longest and most detailed description of the moment he became hooked on Patrick and and started to wear out, as has been quoted many times, John Dorsey and Andy Reid. When you watch a player, uh, I always joke with my guys, you know, I have like this excitometer, you know, in my mind, like when you watch a player, you have to watch a player and you have to watch X amount of game. And, you know, you're going to watch as much tape as you can, but if you're watching a lineman, a receiver, a linebacker, you know, you're going to watch your, your standard four or five games. And then hopefully you get to go back and, and watch later games when you're doing a guy in the fall. But there's an element of when you're watching a player, uh, looking back on your, on your notes and just, you know, the impact the player left. And when you get a special player, he's one of those guys that you start the tape and then when you look up, you don't even realize that four or five hours have passed and you watched every single game because you're not even thinking of this as an assignment. It's just something that is just a fascinating experience. So 
when you're watching Pat Mahomes, and I actually remember in the spring, uh, they had a lineman there. You know, Pat was a junior. He was on some lists, and I'm actually going through a spring list and watching some offensive linemen at Texas Tech. Um, Pat's a guy that, you know, at the time had some numbers, but he wasn't a guy that at that time, the spring before his junior season, he wasn't a guy that is coming out, a first-round pick, you know, watch this guy. He was a guy that put up some stats. And watching this offensive lineman, I remember starting – with the LSU game and damn this quarterback, I was like, who is this guy? And I'm like, this is ridiculous. This guy's making throws and this team is completely undermatched and he is just putting on a show and, and this team should be getting blown out, but this kid is just all over the place. And then you're looking up as well, how tall is he? And you know, where's he from and what's his story? And is he going to come out and just getting completely infatuated by the guy. But I think he's one of those guys that you watch and you know, you see, he has a unique and uncanny ability, you know, to make people around him better. And that's obviously uh, a standard line that people use. Well, he makes people around him better, but this was like visual evidence that was so eye popping. Here you are, you're watching Texas tech. They're playing an LSU team that has a bunch of first round picks that year on both sides of the football. And and he single-handedly is, is unstoppable. Um, so you want to talk about making people around him better and making things happen when things shouldn't happen. And then your mind starts to think, what if you put him with coach Reed and what if he was able to, to understand the West coast offense? And what if you put a ton of talent around this guy? If this guy can line up, um, against LSU and have first round defense alignment, breathing down his neck, have first round corners covering his wideouts, that first round safety, you know, playing the deep half for the field. And he is able to just on his own, uh, move the ball up and down the field and make something out of nothing. What if you put him with coach Reed and what if he had better receivers than the other team? And what if you had an offensive lineman, offensive lineman that can protect him? This guy could be the limit for this guy because this guy is, is like nothing we've seen before. And that's kind of how it starts. And then, you know, when, when the organization, you know, feels the same way after a certain time, you know, you start thinking, wow, I mean, you know, this could be, this could be special. And I, you know, that was probably my first thought too. I think my first free agent signing was Sammy Watkins because I knew we had Tyree kill. And you go back to that original thought process of when you're watching Pat in the spring, you're envisioning these, this around. So, you know, I think if you look at certainly how excited I was, I, 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 the first time I got a chance to sign a free agent, I, went, I signed Sammy Watkins. I'm like, I'm putting receiver, we're putting receivers in this guy. This is going to be fun. And then who would have envisioned 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns later? So there you go. There's Brett Veach talking about Patrick Mahomes. And what stands out to me there, too, is not only does he deserve the credit for the foresight, but just the situation, right? So if Mahomes is being evaluated by a team that already has like a Russell Wilson or maybe another year or two of Tom Brady or somewhere where there's a quarterback already established, who knows if, if Brad is able to even get this quarterback in position across the board. And then to be with Andy Reid and to realize, okay, I have this player here who against really first round NFL talent is doing all of these things. Well, what if we put him with Andy Reid? Not every GM has Andy Reid, right? So you can't even really think necessarily in that direction, but the, thoughts and the thought process to say, well, his receivers aren't very good in Texas Tech and he's moving the ball down the field. What if we give him all pro receivers? And what if he had an offensive line and he wasn't running for his life because Texas Tech barely protected him? And again, and, and these were all things that from 
one thing, he was able to envision another. And I think that's where the credit lies and what Brett Veach was able to predict and see. What strikes me about that quote is him talking about noticing Mahomes because he's watching Texas Tech tape for some offensive linemen that he's interested in. Now, this is going to be a trivia question in bars in the year, say, 2028, 2029. Who were the offensive linemen that Brett Veach was interested in when he discovered uh, Patrick Mahomes playing uh, for Texas Tech against LSU? I don't know the answer, but I'm going to be looking it up because I'm planning on putting (laughs) some serious coin in my pocket when I'm in bars in about seven or eight years. That is a, a, a great trivia question. Please share that with me when you're able to figure it out. Yeah, it is a nice thing to, I guess, probably even say to younger scouts too. It's like you never know when you pop on that film what you're going to see because you're right. He, he wasn't even right. necessarily going after quarterbacks. This was Alex Smith who was coming along. The Chiefs mm-hmm. probably could have been okay with another three or four years of Alex Smith. He's not necessarily this top 10 franchise guy. I think everyone can agree with that. And and you could always check out the quarterbacks, but at the same time to be looking, you're right, at an offensive lineman and to find Mahomes. Kudos to Veach and, and the scout he became. And, and again, can't recommend this 90-minute Monday morning quarterback interview with Albert Breer. You'll listen to Breer. I learned some stuff from it as a journalist because Breer was asking some really, really good questions and his line of questioning and asking more about certain topics. You can really get to know Brett Veach and his road. I'll give you another example really quickly just to promote the podcast. Brett Veach had an opportunity potentially to be an Eagles coaching intern. He ended up turning it down for what was a better paying job, a full-time paying job at Delaware. And then that summer, the coaching intern that replaced him, he ended up going to Minnesota and going into these coaching ranks with Brad Childress. That name, Kevin Stefanski, who is now a head coach in the National Football League. So Brett Veach had thought, okay, man, I just blew my opportunity. (laughs) If he had not turned down that job that summer, he would have been in Minnesota far away from Reed and that would have been the end of it. So you never know how things are going to work out. That's just one of the other stories that are in this really good look at Brett Feet. So I can't recommend it enough. Again, the Monday morning a quarterback podcast. That's it for Brett Veach. When we come back, I will give you the best Chiefs thing I heard all week. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. 
back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, wrapping it up. We should be back with you in about two weeks. John's taking the next week off. Well-deserved week of rest for him as we get ready for the start of the NFL season. So we'll be back with the editor show the following week. But before we do it, let's go to the best Chiefs thing I heard all week. And this comes from an old friend. You might remember him from 610 Sports Radio. It's Nick Wright on Fox's First Things First. Oh, this is a big deal. And this is thrilling. (laughs) I don't know how Brett Beach (laughs) and the front office did it, but they are bringing quite literally nearly everyone back. Kendall Fuller, the only significant contributor who's gone. I thought Chris Jones was going to be traded before the draft because I didn't think they were going to be able to make the money work. Why is this such a big deal? Two reasons. First of all, Chris Jones is the second best defensive tackle in the NFL, full stop. Aaron Donald is in a class by himself. And then if you look at sacks, quarterback pressures, the PFF grades, any of the advanced numbers, Chris Jones is better than every defensive tackle in football not named Aaron Donald. They just brought him back. Here's the other reason why it's critical. They now have their entire core of elite players locked up for at least the next two seasons. Show it. That's the seven best players on the team. They are contracted through at least 2021. I'll list them for you here. He has Mahomes at 1, 2031, Chris Jones, 2023, Travis Kelsey, 2021, Tyree Kill, 2022, Mitch Schwartz, 2021, Tyron Matthew, 2021, Frank Clark, 2023. By the way, Matthew yesterday tweeted, he's never been the sixth best player on a team before in his life. I would say he's as high as two, whatever you want to do, however you want to rank him. Everybody knows it's Mahomes and everybody else, but that's a fascinating point that your top seven players, no matter how you rank them, are not only here for 2020, but 2021. And Watkins, Sammy Watkins isn't even on that list. I mean, because he probably will be gone, but still to have seven players ahead of him ready for the next two years, it, it may be more than run it back. It may be run it back back. Which has never been done. The three, the three Pete. Yeah. The NFL three Pete as yet undone by any team. We probably shouldn't get ahead of ourselves. I know there's probably not. I know there's some fans uh, out there in their cars slamming on the brakes (laughs) because they need to get to their phone to tweet at me. Let's get (laughs) one first. (laughs) I understand. It's not an easy feat. But if there was ever a team ahead of the fact that you'd bet on as as far as repeating, this feels like one. It's hard to put yourself in the mind frame of like, all right, coming off of that year, would I have bet on this team to win two more? Because I think some of those Patriot teams probably come to mind. Obviously, the one that won back, you know, back to back. But I, I would say at the same time, Wow, this team is young. A lot of those players are, are 30 or below. I think Kelsey and, and Schwartz are the only 30-somethings uh, on that list. Feels really good as long as everyone stays healthy. Big mystery with the coronavirus right now. That, that's what's a killer in this because you could be rolling along and, and corona could take over your team. Really, a nice bow by Nick Wright on this episode because in one point he nailed Chris Jones, Patrick Mahomes, Brett Veach, love, and sort of that coronavirus problem where <laughs> you, you don't know, even with all of this really good clout and this setup, you don't know how this is going to go because of that grand mystery. All other things aside, say there was no coronavirus, the Chiefs are just in really 
fantastic shape, like maybe historical shape as far as your outlook of a team over the next two to three seasons. Coming out of a Super Bowl, for sure. Right. Uh, a Super Bowl victory. Uh, you know, I, I, we keep going back to this. If you were an NFL GM right now, you'd be thinking, gosh, I wish I had done what the Chiefs did the, to bring back their players and put themselves in a position that they wouldn't be substantially harmed by missing the first part of the offseason, the OTAs, the mini camps, because they have all of these players back who already know the system, already know the plays. And yet the Chiefs say that that had nothing to do with the way they approached the offseason, that they made this decision before anybody knew anything about the coronavirus. And I believe them. I think they saw an opportunity with the players they had under contract to say, you know, we don't have to do anything special. We just want a Super Bowl. We want it handily, really. I mean, they were behind in the fourth quarter, of course, but they ended up winning pretty big, I thought, a pretty impressive victory after doing it in two other playoff games, I might add. And I think they saw an opportunity to put together a string here, so that's the way they went. It turned out to be an even better way to go than they could possibly have imagined, which is just making them more of a betting choice to repeat in 2020, providing they get that opportunity. Music to the ears of Chiefs fans. I think we're all crossing our fingers that we can get this NFL season started. And really, I think the bigger thing, and we'll talk about that in, in coming shows, is completing it. Because it's one thing to start it. Will they sure. be able to finish it and get to the Super Bowl down in Tampa in 2021? That's it for the editor's show. I have an exact date for you on when we should return with this style of program. It's Tuesday July 28th, we should be back together again. John will be back refreshed, ready to go for the season. We should have a best of the laboratory coming at you on Friday. So that's exciting. Next week, there will probably be a from the podium with Chris Jones. I'm told that the Chris Jones press conference will be sometime next week. So there's a lot of good content. The lab guys are continuing to roll through a lot of good content coming on the Arrowhead Pride podcast network. I hope you enjoyed the show. John, enjoy some time off away from me on this podcast. (laughs) <laughs> and we will see you when you get back. You can follow John on Twitter at Arrow Headphones. I'm at PG Sween. Keep it locked in at ArrowheadPride.com for all your Chiefs news and notes. We'll see you next time.